You are listening to The Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Let's go! You are listening to The Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Alright everybody, welcome to the 132nd edition of The Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin, here in Rip City, and I got my man... Sage chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon, and uh, you know, first things first, I want to apologize for no episode last week. There were some technical issues, and the re- the recording that we did was saved, but it never went to the workspace that I needed it to, and I downloaded the new patch. I actually recorded a podcast earlier this week, so it's working again. So 131 podcasts to one is still a really nice record, but damn it, I wish we could have that 132nd back, but this make-up episode at 132... I'm just ready to talk about these Blazers. How are you doing, my man? Pretty good. Uh, and like I told you during the week, if the Blazers lose the Houston and Memphis, there's no way I'm re-recording that episode because it's just going to be us pissing and moaning, and nobody needs to hear that for 45, 50 minutes. Yeah, dog. But, you know, we we were on our Wes Matthews shit. We were on our uh, Andre Miller. You know, one ankle sprain ain't going to stop us. We're going to be here. I mean, we technically still recorded it, so I don't know about you, but the streak still lasts in my book. <laughs> you know, is this going to be the last re- uh, recording before Christmas? Maybe? Probably, uh, yes. So, I, my, I'm curious. You know, we always talk about traditions with Christmas, but what are your favorite, like, sporting events during these winter ho- uh, holidays? Is there anything that just stands out to you in, like, Oh, that that was the most memorable thing of that Christmas. Or the month of December and New Year's Day is pretty heavy for me for college football. So I really like watching all of the bowl games, especially when the Ducks are in are in a good one. So I've had some good memories um, of that uh, New Year's New Year's Day 2015, just destroying Florida State, uh, winning the Rose Bowl three years prior against Wisconsin, just huge. I went down to the Rose Bowl in 2010. Um, the year we unfortunately lost to Ohio State. So more football than basketball. Um, but Christmas hoops are all, always amazing. The one game that I always will remember, Christmas 2000, Rashid took a charge against Kobe Bryant, sealed that victory for us at the Staples Center. Um, that was the year after the Game 7 meltdown, and that was when we were the best team in the NBA going into the All-Star break before kind of uh, shit hit the fan. So um, anytime we play on Christmas, me and my family traditionally get tickets. So I think there was a stretch of three games in a row, three years in a row, uh, 07, 08, and 09, uh, Blazers went two and one. I believe we played the Sonics, Nuggets, and Mavericks, lost to the Mavericks, beat the Sonics and Nuggets. Um, and those are always, always incredible. I mean, I feel bad for everyone who has to, to work on, on Christmas, but as an experience and tradition, really love that. And so... Cool that we're playing Utah this year. Kind of bummed it's not in Portland, though. Man, like when I read the, when I looked at the schedule and saw that we were playing Christmas, I was excited. And then I looked at our opponents and the Utah Jazz. And I'm not scared of the Utah Jazz. There's a huge narrative about them being like a scary defense. And for sometimes it's true, but I think we would, uh, we, we could handle it. But man, that's going to be a boring ass game. That's what I'm upset about. The last game of the, of the day for Christmas is going to be boring as hell. Why is it going to be boring? Dame's going to show out for Dame's <laughs> first Christmas game. Get out of here, Sage. <laughs> man, I'm, unless Dame shows out, we're kind of a boring team, man. <laughs> I don't think we're boring. I think we're frustrating. Potato, potato, man. I, I don't know, man. It's that... It's lack of execution. And I don't know, I'm just... I'm excited that we'll be on Christmas. And, uh, you know, it's just, for me, it's always just watching basketball on Christmas is always a great time for, you know, just be with the family. 
to answer my original question about holiday games. I'd rather just watch. I think I'm stoked to watch the game solo. Oh, you're not, e- oh, man. <laughs> That's me crazy. And, me and this guy right here, Bassy Clyde. That's awesome. Couch buddies. Damn. So is this the first Christmas you won't be with the fam, bam? No, Christmas Eve. Oh, okay, okay. And then you're okay. Word, I like it. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna be flying down to Medi for. A few days, um, and then be back here from New Year's for sure. But yeah, let's let's get into this basketball, man. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Some stuff we already talked about, but the recording is a player hater. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Portland, after that rough road trip, bounced back at bounced back at home, uh, handled the Phoenix Suns, one away, eighty six. That was Jake Layman's uh, coming out party. I believe he outscored Phoenix uh, in the first quarter by himself. Uh, I took my dad to the game uh, that next following Saturday where we eked out a 113-105 victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves. And this is kind of where we were at. We're kind of at a, at a I think, a crossroads with this team because on the episode that was never released, I said the Houston Rocket game was the most important of the season. That They had been a team who had been struggling mightily. And whenever Portland ran into these teams, Portland was their slump buster. We saw it against um, the Golden State Warriors, and we saw it against um, the San Antonio Spurs, and it it happened again. Portland lost 111-104 after controlling the game early, and then we followed it up with just a complete dud against the Memphis Grizzlies, 92-83. We led early, and then outside of C.J. McCollum's 40 points, no one else decided to show up. Um, including Dame, include Dame was off and yet he continued to shoot the three, which frustrates me to no end. Mm -hmm. He needs to go to the basket and get to the free throw line. That's how you beat Memphis. You, you get them in foul trouble. They can't play as handsy and as aggressive as they want to be. If they're going to be in the penalty six, seven minutes into the quarter, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, but in true Trailblazer fashion, we followed up with an incredibly entertaining 128-122 uh, victory over the, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, that game was just an emotional roller coaster. Oh my god! The one nice thing about really tempering your expectations with this team and being okay with a loss and being okay with a win is like. Blazers are up 16. I'm like, oh, we're going to win. Had no fear of a jinx, no repercussions of that. And then when the Raptors got red hot from three and we got up by two, I wasn't sweating. I was like, whatever. Like, if we win, that's awesome. But if not, <laughs> I'm, I'm so used to this right now. Um, but thankfully, Dame and CJ hit back-to-back threes and we were able to pull away. Um, was this the first time you've seen Toronto this year? Um, I've seen them on national TV a, f- a few times. They came out flat and were flat the entire game. And I'm glad that we took advantage of a team going against us playing flat and not motivated. Of course, there were times when they were just like, oh, yeah, we could beat the shit out of these guys. Let's do it. And then we, you know, punched them right back when they got close. So it showed, like, at least we can counter a punch their attack when they're just blitzing us with three pointers. So at least it showed that like we can we can do it. We have the ability to do it. But yeah, that that was the worst I've seen the Raptors play all year. Like I mean, we I I predicted the the week perfectly. I thought we would lose both road games and, and win against Toronto. Um I thought it was a schedule win for the Trailblazers. I, I I don't know what more you can expect out of Toronto. They blew out the Clippers and the Warriors on the road without Kawhi and then they have Denver after Portland. So Portland, I think just was the beneficiary Mm. of this one. And like you said, we, we took advantage of it. And what impressed me most was Damon CJ only had to take 24 combined shots to get it done. You look at the shot distribution, just the bench was fantastic. You have nine players with at least eight field goal attempts. I mean, that that to me is Blazer basketball. And, you know, I, I get it. There's going to be nights when Damon C.J. are going to have to put the team on their back. But there's also been quite a few times during this rough stretch. And the rough stretch is going to be that everything past that 10-3 and 3 start where 
Dame and CJ will just go one-on-one. And mm-hmm. I think they still need to continue to trust their team. And I, there is a difference between having Nick Stauskas and Evan Turner on the wing who you're going to pass to. But at the same time, I, I thought Evan played nice, played in his rhythm, did not attempt a three-point shot, thank the Lord, and just really was in his comfort zone. I think every player who played finally felt like they were in a rhythm. Mm-hmm. I, I finally saw an urgency in this team. They were there was just a pep in their step and you could see Terry on the sidelines waving his arms saying, push the tempo every time. Like, that's what I want to see. We're a sloppy team, but it's not in the fast. It's not in the open court. It's actually in our half court setting where we turn the ball over quite frequently. So I would like to see the Blazers up the tempo a little bit. We can go 10, 11 guys deep. We're the youngest roster in the league and everyone, even our center can get up and down that floor. Mm. Um, and that's when, I think you're – this is just tr- overall in the NBA. You're going to have a better chance to score because you're not going to let other teams' defense get settled in. Absolutely. And I think the Evan Turner played well because Zach Collins started out hot. Like he hit a long three and did a, like a post move to get like five quick points. And then Seth Curry, who had I think his best game of the year because he's been trash every game like – you know, it's weird, like, you look at his, like, you look at him, and you're like, okay, his brother's fantastic, let's see what he can do. And it's like, oh, shit, this isn't good. And then you look at the advanced stats, and they also say, oh, shit, he's not doing well. Like, he's he has a 4 PER the last time I checked, like, before that Raptors game. He is not playing well. So when he played well, it made Evan Turner calm down a lot. So he didn't have to force up shots that he isn't comfortable taking. I think that bench, the Blazers bench producing in like every person doing something really helped Evan Turner to get into a groove where he could just be the playmaker, not have to take bad shots because his teammates aren't hitting. So it really helped us out. Like having like that bench points, having like a bunch of bench points helped everybody stay in like a groove where it was manageable, not having to have our, Two guards, just body shit. Yeah, I, I really felt like this was easily Seth Curry's best performance. And to be honest, in my eyes, he was close to, if not already, out of the rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have played him much, much more because he really can't create his own shot. And he has such a slow release, but he he got a couple open looks. He was uh, patient with the ball and threw a couple pump fakes in there and got to his spots. Because we're going to need him and Nick and Zach, you know, and Evan to to play like this. I mean, I know you can't ask for 58 bench points every night, but when we win big games, the bench plays well and you're getting a whole team contribution. Uh, Portland really went into this downward spiral because the bench went to what we thought they would be in the preseason. I mean, that's what we said. The Blazer starters are going to win us a lot of games and the bench is going to lose us even more. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can get 30-plus from your bench every night, Portland's going to have a good chance just because of who you do have in that starting five. But, again, I think Portland has one too many players. Uh, Jake Lehman, once again, racked up, uh, uh, did not play, and he's a player who I want to see more of. Like, Maurice Harkless had eight points in the first half. He did nothing the rest of the way. Um, He hasn't scored double digits all year. Shout out to Evan M for that stat that I just stole. But, like... He isn't good right now. And the fact that we're just putting him out big minutes is scary, man. When you got Jake Lehman who got DMPs and, yo, he, in that first quarter of that Suns game, dude was killing it. And that first quarter, like, was the reason we won the game initially, like, in the first place. Like, they played us tight second, third, and fourth. So it's like, man, this guy can score. He can do a little bit of everything. I know he's not a world beater or anything, but he definitely deserves to play on this team with like how bad we are in that small forward position. Yeah, and I think that is the glaring weakness for Portland. We really need that two-way player because Maurice Harkless was out there because he's a better defender and you needed somebody to go up against Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Chief was chasing around Siakam. So in that essence, you can't really play Jake too much. Um but then you're soup. But then you can't play Evan Turner for his defense because he's essentially when he's without when he's out there with with Damon CJ, he's as a wing, 
three and D, and he 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 has no three. Mm-hmm. So we, we have if you could combine Jake, Maurice, and Evan, you got a really damn good small forward. Unfortunately, Portland uh, doesn't have the sum of all parts. So to me, if Portland's looking to upgrade, we really need to get uh, a small forward. Uh, to come in there and just be a two-way guy. It doesn't have to be an all-star at that position, but you need someone who's going to be able to reliable shooter from downtown and a plus defender. So, I mean, you brought up a small horde. What did you think of the Dylan slash Marshawn? Uh, man, I don't even know what the, the miscommunication of Dylan Brooks and Marshawn Brooks. What did you think about that? And, Basketball Twitter and basketball is so much cooler than fucking NFL just because of all of this shit that we get to be a part of. I mean, I think that's just like a microcosm of what the Phoenix Suns front office really is. And thankfully, that deal didn't go through because Memphis was about to get Kelly Oubre for nothing. And yes, I know he's up for a payday, but that's the type of small forward Portland needs. And if that's the asking price, wait. Neil O'Shea better get on that phone because even for a half season rental, that's that is that is stealing right there for his, his value. So I was very thankful Memphis didn't end up with him because Memphis with Ubre is definitely a notch above Portland on that playoff ladder. But um, I've never seen anything like that before. It's Twitter makes it so we see all of this in real time instead of reading about it 20 years later in a book. Like we witnessed something that's probably never happened before. Um, NBA GMs were literally playing telephone instead of getting on a conference call. That's the thing that blew my mind the most. So is it time for the Blazers to take chances on blue chip, you know, draft picks that, you know, may have not started and may have not done well. Is it time to take those chances on a Kelly Oubre you know, Ben McLemore before he got washed the third time. Is it time for us to t- find our Chauncey Billups? Find that dude who was highly re- regarded and then just for whatever reason. I would say I, I think Uber's played well. Like, I don't think he's um, a basement bargain. Um, but I would say a basement bargains are Neil Olshay Neil special. You look at uh, Thomas Robinson who was the fifth overall pick, you know, brought him in for a shot to see if it would work out. Stauskas right now was a lottery pick. Um, Chief Aminu, we got him at Davis. I mean, these guys were all journeymen who had played still young in their careers, but mm, it kind of bounced around. Yeah, for being lottery picks. And so, you know, that's kind of his, his specialty. He was rumored to go after Mario Hazonia, a former lottery pick of mm-hmm. Orlando before he signed with the Knicks. So, to me, that is the Neil Olshay special right there, is that lottery pick that's maybe on a second or third team. Mm-hmm. Man, so for anyone who has enough time, is it time for us to just look at all the lottery picks from past, see who the Blazers were connected to, and then that is the person we're going to be trading for at the deadline? Is that is that what you're saying? Because it worked for uh, the Kings with Buddy Heal, that worked for... Uh, uh, the Pacers with Victor Oladipo. Could it work for us the way it's worked for them? Well, the Kings also had to give up DeMarcus Cousins to get Buddy Heald. <laughs> and the Pacers had to give up Paul George to get so, Victor Oladipo. Are you saying Jake Lehman isn't at the same tier as them? I'm saying Portland needs to find someone who's <laughs> actually talented and not try and roll the dice on someone who could be talented. Yeah. So is it like a... You just want a small forward that can shoot and play defense. You don't need, like, secondary ball handler, stuff like that. No, I don't just, no, just, I mean, the, the more attributes you look for in a player, two things happen. One, the higher the price tag, and two, the chances that their home team wants to get rid of them are slim to none. There's a reason guys like Kawhi Leonard only come on the market because they're demanding to be traded. Mm. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So... That's why when everyone was kind of freaking out about possibly going after, you know, um, Paul George or Jimmy Butler or even a Kawhi, it's like, oh, no, he might not might, might not sign with us. It's only a one-year rental. Well, yeah, you got to take the chance. You are Portland. You're, you're not Los Angeles. There's a reason these dudes come on the market, and it's not because they're locked up to long-term deals. Like, that – 
thought and that thought process just baffles me to no end. Yes, it could it could be a one year rental, but what what are our other options? I mean, this right now is technically an option, and we're tied for eighth in the West, and we can't seem to string together more than two or three games in a row. Um, give me the alternative mm. Nine, ten times out of ten. Like we've seen this song and dance stage for the last three four years. And yes, it was a new feature before the technical difficulties, but Portland was in a unique position this past week where they saw DeAndre Ayton in the Suns, Luka Doncic in the Dallas Mavericks, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. of the Memphis Grizzlies. So dribble, pass, shoot. You dribble means you're kind of kind of uh, you're on the fence about the subject. You need a little bit more time. Pass means nope, that's a no go for me. And shoot means you're you're that's the green light. You're taking that all the way to the bank. So dribble pass shoot. Luka Doncic is the best rookie this year. I still go with Jaron Jackson. So pass that shit out of there. Give me Jaron Jackson in the post. I think this year I'm shooting. I think Doncic is the best rookie. You can see. His impact, he has a Brandon Roy type of impact on that franchise. People are already saying it's his time, it's his team. Um, you know, Dirk is open and willing to make this transition happen. I mean, they're 15 and 12, 7 and 3 in their last 10 ahead of us, and they do not have as much talent as, as the Trailblazers. I mean, they are 13 and 2 in Big D, so they are, they are holding it down. And, you know, he had a massive shot against the Rockets. Uh, to win that game. He's a bad he's, boy. Yeah, he seems like he has all of the tools. Um, I think long-term, I'm I'm going, I, I'm with you. I, I'm on the Jaron Jackson Jr. train. I, I think he is going to be better than Jermaine O'Neal. I think you're going to get a, a generational type of big. And I know small ball is all the rage, but all it takes is one or two teams to find a couple of bigs, and uh, that's going to be the the move. And I think once, while everyone is zigging, if you can zag, you're going to be sitting sitting pretty nice. And uh, that's what the Warriors did. Everyone was still playing post-up basketball, and they, they ran out a small lineup that they could just shoot the shit out of the ball, and nobody could keep up with them. They were the ones that were the trendsetters, and I think the trendsetters in the next five to ten years are the ones that are going to be dethroning those type of Golden State teams, the, the small ball era. So basketball goes – you know, in eras and styles and strategies. And right now I think we are definitely in smaller NBA, definitely positionless, mm-hmm. um, not super big, but you know, you're going to get guys six, nine, six, ten who can handle the ball and play a multitude of positions, guard a multitude of positions. Versatility is a must in this era. And, you know, I was just kind of already salivating if we could have Jaron Jackson right next to Zach Collins, because that would be a, a really, really beautiful front court. Dribble pass, shoot. Zion Williams will be better than all three of those players you just listed. Zion Williamson? It, it, yes, sorry. Um, he gonna, jumps I'm, off the screen, bro. I'm going to dribble on that one. Um, I need to do a little bit more research on Zion. I am always, and I'm the first one to admit it, if you can't shoot, I, I don't really want to have much to, to do with you, but... I realize there are exceptions to that rule, Ben Simmons and, and Giannis being the, the, the two that, that stand out directly in my mind. Uh, he just looks like he could be the next Barkley, but even more of a freak. The thing is, Chuck really developed a, a really nice jump shot. And I think Zion, if he can get the jumper, he's going to be – he could be the next in terms of impact like LeBron. Like he, He's a beast, um, but I, I need a little more time on that one. Okay, I mean, okay, so I watched a Duke game with my mom, and she asked me, who's this Zion everybody keeps talking about? And then, like, a minute and a half later, she's like, oh, that's Zion, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. That dude just jumps off the screen when you're watching him in a way that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. He also has, like, you know, what's in a name? Like, Zion, like... LeBron, Magic, there's just Giannis. There's something to a uniqueness of a name that makes me 
it just there's a gut instinct there that this guy's just going to be a badass. Like you know what I'm, you know what I mean? Like Zion Williamson, that that is a boss ass name. I yeah, I fuck with him like that. Just watching him a little bit at Duke, and I know like they just fuck teams up and shit, but like he just jumps off the screen crazy for me, and he's someone I gotta watch more. But I, I, I I'll shoot the way I've seen him on like on. In the games, I'll shoot on that one. Dribble pass shoot. The Trailblazers will trade Alfred Camino at the deadline. Not should. Not should. Will. They will. I'm going to take a screen, dribble behind the screen, and shoot. <laughs> I want a better shot. I'm not... I think they should. I obviously think they should. I mean, that was the hot take from you, like... In October, when we were talking hot, uh, hot take alerts, I think it's just something they should do. I would like to know what the ownership situation is for a roster move, but if it's something that Neil O'Shea can do, yeah, I think they'll trade it. So I'll shoot it. I read on Rip City Two that that Paul's sister Jody is keeping the team for now. Like she's not putting it up for, for sale and has given Neil the green light to do his job to make a trade. So I don't know who ultimately is giving the green light on that, but to me, it, they will, I, I'm going to shoot. I think they will. And I, I, I do think they should. I was going through the Rolodex of my, my Blazers memory. And I was thinking the Blazers have to be a, the franchise that, just gets the least out of their assets. I mean, you think of all of the players over the course of the franchise history, we don't get shit in return for these dudes. Did we get... Drexler just went to Houston free agency, right? We got Otis Thorpe and a first-round draft pick for Clyde Drexler. Okay. Um... We got nothing from Terry Porter, nothing from Jerome Kersey, nothing for Buck Williams, nothing for Cliff Robinson. They all left in free agency. What about... uh, We got got something for... uh... Mo Lucas, I think, I remember right. Or did we not get anything for him since we had Michael Turner, Thompson, Michael Thompson in the back? And did we, do we, we got something for Bill, didn't we? But that's 70s. No. God damn. I don't, I don't remember. I, even, even then, he was already injured. So I, I don't think that's necessarily what I'm going with. Like we had, obviously, LaMarcus didn't get anything for him. Uh, Zach Matthews. Randolph, we basically had to just dump his contract, and we got Steve Francis, who never played in Channing Fry. Um, Batum, Wes Matthews, Robin Lopez, like all of these guys, the value was super low. We did get Von Ley and Henderson for Batum, so I'll, I will backtrack on that. But, but where are they now? I mean, but still, we got yeah. we we got nothing. Yeah. So we got nothing for Ed Davis. Yep. Well, more, we more Myers nothing. Leonard. We got nothing from Shabazz. So we just like to let these players play out their contracts. And to me, from what I've seen, 29 games in, this Blazer team is not good enough to keep Aminu and then decide at the end of the season what you want to do with his contract-wise. To me, if we don't trade him, and it has nothing to do with my personal opinion on him or how I think he impacts the team, I do think he's valuable but I think he's replaceable. I think if you go into a situation where you're after the playoffs, you're another first first round exit, you're staring down the barrel of either letting him walk for nothing or signing him to a long-term contract. Those are both terrible decisions. I think we really should look to see what we can get. And, you know, if, if you're looking to, to get Harkless more time, play him at the four. I mean, mm. he's got to play out his contract as well. Um, start playing Zach Collins with Nurkic. Like there's, there's ways around this, and mm. I know Chief is our best defender, but at the same time, Zach is probably number two. <laughs> yeah, Portland as a franchise, we're we're not in position to pay for free agents, and that's mm. exactly why Mason Plumley got traded was because we did not want to pay him fourteen million dollars, which the Denver Nuggets did to come off the bench. So do you? All right. Would you trade him for two seconds? I guess a usable player in two seconds. Or like a worse player in two seconds. Hmm. 
No, that's not good enough for me. A really late first round pick. Yeah, I think a first. I mean, it can even be a future first. I think that's. I think he's worth that too. So, so just 2020 because, first round pick from a playoff team now. Something along those lines, and if it's an expiring contract plus that, or we maybe go into like the Ubre sweepstakes, whatever. I know he's probably. I think he did already get dealt um, to Phoenix, but Phoenix now has three small forwards: Mikel Bridges, Josh Jackson, and Kelly Ubre. So and TJ Warren. Yeah, well, isn't Warren's more? I four. view Warren more as a two, but yeah, he. Oh he gets, wow, I think he's more of a four. TJ Warren is not a four. He can play four, man. All right, he doesn't have the range to be a two. He's extended it, but it's not good enough to be a consistent two. And they have Devin Booker. Um, would you be interested in one of those like the worst Suns pick or the worst Suns wing? For Aminu, would you be willing to do that or something like that? So you talked about taking a flyer on guys, buying low, selling high. If you want to buy low on somebody, Josh Jackson is the person that I would look oh, at. He, I, he's, yeah. When he gets he, minutes, he gets he produces. I didn't like him coming out of Kansas. He's obviously been a bit of a bust, but he still is 20, 21 years old, and he'd get him in a better culture. Nobody mm-hmm. is thriving in Phoenix. Yeah. There's not a single player. Not even Devin Booker is not thriving there. He's been out for a while, too. You know, people complain about CJ McCollum. Go watch Devin Booker play. Mm-hmm. Please. So there is no one doing well in that organization. Their owner is a piece of shit, and he's trying to move the team to Seattle or, or Las Vegas. Um, maybe one of the cheapest owners in the history of the NBA. So whatever somebody does in Phoenix, I think you almost have to just give them, give them a clean slate. So you do, I would do a Josh Jackson, but I think we'd have to add like sweeteners to, Aminu is a, the fixed piece, but not, would you add a first round pick? Hell for, no. Not, no, Josh Jackson has not produced enough to get a first round pick. Like, so you have to be realistic too. I mean, you're getting essentially an expiring contract who's a, a nice vet f- for them. I mean. What Ariza should have been. Yeah. Maybe. Um. That just sucks that we'd put, bring Aminu to the Suns, though. <laughs> I mean, I would rather have Aminu than Ariza. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think I think the Ariza ship has sailed. Last year was contract year Ariza. Last year was his peak. Um, he got the bag now. Yeah, he secured it. He's ready to just kind of a sunset that sunset that off into the distance. But I think we're going to see a lot of deals at the deadline. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think we'll be involved? I hope so. I, I think as a seller or a buyer too. We need to be a seller. But this team, no, like this team does, and you know, I. It's frustrating. So I think I mentioned this on an episode ago. Like I love the team as as guys. Like mm-hmm. I think they're they're genuine people. They do really good things in the community. Every time I see them. Um, you know, at the Dorn Becker facility with with all of the children, like. I'm proud to be a fan of these guys. Like they are really good dudes. Um, and so anytime I criticize them, it's only as a basketball player as basketball players. I don't think this team has deserved the right to be a buyer. They are too inconsistent. I need to see them as we go into January, you know, end December and go in January. Where are you in this Western conference flux? Have you shown consistency? Um, I know there's a school of thought that says, hey, if you're a buyer and you get a better player, it's going to lead you to be more consistent. But I have been burnt so many times by this collection of players mm-hmm. that to me, it's it's the same it's the same old song. So if if I'm already saying we should trade Alfred Rukaminu, then I don't know what else really makes us better this year. I want to see us acquire more assets and lower the salary. We need to really shed as much salary as we can going into 2020. To me, I, I, I know the draft has always been our avenue for, for acquiring new talent and free agency has been very difficult. But with what happened in 2016, the only way we have any flexibility, and you also throw in trades in there as well, being able just to absorb someone is to have space. Mm. And we just don't have anything right now. We don't you know, have the capital. Always, Yeah, we're always up against that luxury tax line, and 
Um, so yeah, I, I would like to see us be a little bit more on on the selling selling side of things. But you know, if we do want to buy and be a be a player, I would hope it's for a guy like Kelly Oubre who has some upside and can grow with with Damon CJ. To me, Trevor Ariza, um, he's that vet that maybe pushes you over the top. Like if you were Houston last year and Golden State, and Houston looks at acquiring someone that pushes them above Golden State. Ariza is that type of player. Mm. Portland is just nowhere near being in contention with the Warriors. But there's a lot of things that could happen next offseason. And if you get a guy like Ubre or Josh Jackson or or someone who has talent now but also a lot of room to grow, that's when I think you become a buyer and and really make a move. And, yeah, possibly put your draft pick on the table to get a guy who – Who's going to come in and be like 21, 22 years old and just grow with with the Zach Collinses of this team? Because that to me is another avenue to to improve. You stay off the vets. We got enough of those. We we need we need talent. Mm-hmm. This, this roster just needs more fucking talent. Mm-hmm. Do you see us ever playing Simons over Seth Curry? Seth has been so fucking bad. I know he had a good game, but he has just been so bad. The only scenario, two scenarios. One, injuries, which obviously next man up. And two, we're eliminated from the playoffs. And we've got the okay to start playing some of our younger players. Then you get Trent and Simon. So um, other than that, I think... Terry and Neil are both going to try to win as many games as possible. Well, and they, I mean, their jobs are on the line and stuff. Yeah, but let's they, say Terry Stotts got that contract so many people are clamoring for, where he's safe. He doesn't have to worry about it, the hot seat. Do you think he'd want to play his young guys that or have a future with this team? And let's be real, Seth and Nick Stauskas could leave next year, so we gave them all this playing time, and they're not going to be part of our future plans. I think Gary Trent and Anthony are both part of our long-term pl- uh, team. If we were, if he had a guarantee that he'd be here next year, do you think Terry Stotts would like to play those young guys? I think Terry would still play the best player possible that he thought would win them the game on that night. Do you think Greg Popovich would play Nick Stauskas and Seth Curry or our two young guys? I think any NBA coach worth their salt would play the best player that helps them win a game. Hmm. But you look at what he did with Murray. He was Murray wasn't the best guy two years ago, but he gave him that you know that 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 role of getting like ten minutes a game. And look what he did last year. I'm not saying that either of our guys would develop that fast, but it definitely would help with the development of them for the future. Well, there's one thing saying you get five or ten minutes a night versus you're actually taking someone's spot. Well, I mean, Simon's... How many games has he played this year? Eight? I don't know. I don't know, but like... It's just to the point where I'm like, eh, would it hurt us that much to see what he can do in some spot minutes? I mean, we also don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Is he yeah. earning the minutes in practice? Is he... Because one thing I've learned from, you know, just reading countless anecdotes of players and teams is you can lose a team over playing guys who are undeserving of minutes. Like, they don't give a fuck about the draft lottery. They don't give a fuck about the few. They give a fuck about this now, season yeah. right now. Man, it's true. But I don't like watching a guy with a four PER take a bunch of shots and miss them. Well, <laughs> I don't think anyone does, but... That's the situation we're in right now. And when you have a coach who's coaching for his life, he's always going to play the vet. Mm-hmm. Now, I think we should get Simon some minutes, just like I think we should get Jake some minutes. Um, Are you in favor of us having a G League team? I am in favor of a system that is more like the major league baseball farm system. Mm. And I don't think even the G league is that I think they need to expand rosters. I think they need to expand the draft and you need to, um, have everyone who is in your organization under that umbrella of, of the G league and NBA 
and your developmental system has to be a member of the Trailblazers mm. family. Mm. So every player on Portland's G League team should, in theory, be able to be called up. Yeah. Like, you are members of the Trailblazers, mm. just like the Timbers have the Timbers too. Mm. I mean, you can move move guys up, up and down. And um, I'm not saying I think we need, you know, triple A, single A, double A, you know, all of that, what, what baseball has. But if we have a G League and a G League system – I would like it to be, you know, there's three or four rounds of the draft. Everyone is technically under contract with the Blazers. Um, I get rid of this two-way contract bullshit where they can only play 45 days. That doesn't help anyone, the player or the team. Just an abysmal rule. Um, but, yeah, make it so it's all part of one family, and I would be all for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you look at Royce O'Neal and Tyrone Wallace last year helping – you know, the Jazz and then the Clippers, respectively. And it's like, damn, wouldn't it be nice if our rookies can play more, which is great. And then we're going to find those gems. I mean, I know the Blazers have had some very good luck with injuries, only having, like, one major injury. But what if something happens? Wouldn't it be great to have, like, some guy in the wings ready to, you know, eat, the eat like, 10 or 15 minutes from the G League? And, you know... We can talk all the shit we want about Neil, but he he does know a lot about basketball and scouting. So m- the more chances for him to hit that lotto ticket, the better. Yeah, and I also think that the G League as a league needs to improve its quality of play. You look at AAA baseball, like, oh, if somebody's dominating AAA, they're, they're ready to, to move on up. Mm-hmm. I think if you did have more ownership of of a franchise as your farm system i think you could start to see that g league become like okay we send this player down they're really dominating this is pretty good competition um but let's move them let's move them up i don't think the g league will ever be better than um you know the euro league that that Doncic won mvp but if it can start to rival some of those European leagues, then maybe you'll start getting players staying closer to home mm. and you can really start to build that league up into something special where even if you never get called up, never make it to the, never make it to the show, you're still earning a good living right now. The G league pays jack shit. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into, yeah, a G league would be a great idea for the blazers. Mm. Well, it's just weird that like, I think we're the only team in the NBA that doesn't have one or isn't planning to get one. Like, I know New Orleans is planning to get one in Birmingham. Denver's somewhere in Denver or Colorado or some shit. And it's like, we're the only team that's not, like, planning on getting one. It's like, damn, does everyone else have a brilliant idea that we're not taking advantage or a a good idea we're not taking advantage of? I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't mind a G League team opening in Beaverton, Oregon, so I can just not even dress well and go to games. <laughs> shit, you can't play anywhere in Beaverton, Oregon. <laughs> or shit, Eugene. I don't know, shit. The problem is is when we had one prior in Boise, you had, you had different agendas. Those coaches wanted to win games, and then you would only bring your guys down for two or three nights, and they'd have to get their rotation all messed up, and you would have all this integration uh, of chemistry and, you know, positions and um, you're just getting directions from the Portland front office. You're like, Hey, this is not really what we want to do. So to me, I think Portland sees more value in those guys coming into the practice facility, practicing with Dame, CJ Nurk, getting direct communication with Terry Stotts, all of his assistant coaches, one-on-one personal coaching. You're working out with a team. Um, they see more value at the moment in that than sending a guy to Salt Lake City to play for the G League team there or wherever the fuck it is and who knows where, Midwestern United States of America. Yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back uh, discussing the three-week slate of games. For you, the listeners of Holy Backward, Vinyl Me Please is a vinyl record of the month club. The best record club, in fact. Every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. 
We celebrate one incredible vinyl record every month and send an exclusive pressing of it right to your door. We'll also include an original 12 by 12 album-inspired art print and a paired cocktail recipe to sweeten the deal even more. When we say special edition, we're not messing around. We work closely with both label and artists to come up with something you actually can't find anywhere else. We're talking colored vinyl, custom lyric books, exclusive artwork, personal notes from the artist, and much, much more. The only thing that won't surprise you each month is how much you end up loving the music itself. We know that trusting someone else to curate your record collection can be scary. Like, really scary. You've had your whole life to fine-tune your taste, and we certainly don't want to get in the way. That's why we have swaps. With swaps, you can exchange a featured record with one from the VMP archive or a limited set of store titles. This way, even though you're trying new things, you won't be forced to take a title you already have or you know in advance isn't right for you. There are no hidden fees either. We're not like that, okay? That read was by one of my good friends, Rainbow Lightbright. You can check out her Mixer stream at mixer.com slash rainbow light bright and that's rainbow light bright without the o in a rainbow to support the holy backboard though go to join vmp.com slash holy backboard again that's join vmp.com slash holy backboard all right everybody welcome back to the holy backboard podcast dustin and sage here uh, three three games on the docket this week. Uh, the 17th Monday, 7.30 in Los Angeles to face the Clippers. And then two games, Wednesday, Memphis at 7. And in the first bout against the rival Utah Jazz, Friday the 21st. Sage, let's talk about the Clippers. Portland is 1-1 one one this year against the Clip Show, winning 116-105 back on November 8th. But then losing a heartbreaker... 100-104 in, on November 25th, a game they led by 15 points in the third quarter. Uh, the Clippers are coming back down to life a little bit after leading the Western Conference. They've lost three straight games, 17-12 and 12 on the year. Um, however, they are 9-3 and three at home, Staples Center. Again, to me, this is a, a classic Blazers game. Can you beat a team on the road who is struggling? I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I have no idea with this team. The Clippers are kind of fun too because, like, there's no real star. I mean, we ha- we have the star, they don't. But they play extremely hard and play defense and play with passion and pride and purpose and all that. So, does our one star just be the collective of, or you know, be assets? If it was in Portland, I would say yes. But since they are dominant at home. It might be a bit too much grit and grind and passion and purpose and pride for uh, us to handle. You look at the Clippers, there are three losses. Two of them have been blowouts, but all of the teams have been... The Spurs are not the Spurs of old, so I I digress. They lost by 24 at home against Toronto. They went to San Antonio and lost by 38. Then they went to OKC and lost by 6, so... That San Antonio loss is a is an eye opener. I think getting blown out by Toronto without Kawhi is an eye opener. But then they fought and nearly beat a, a really tough Thunder team in OKC. Um, I think we're a better team than the Clippers. But again, I am not going to say this team is going to win a road game until I see it. I mean, I thought we should have beaten Houston, but I, I, you just know some shit's going to happen with this team, like. Is the bench not going to show up or is Dame going to get hot and CJ gets cold or, or vice versa? Like we just haven't been able to put together a really strong performance on the road probably since early November, late October when we beat Houston and Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's been a minute. Even that six game road trip, we struggled to beat the Knicks and the Wizards. So who is the main people we got to watch out for? On the Clippers, I would say Montrez, Harold, Tobias, and then Gallo. I mean, I think they their 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 drink gets stirred by by Tobias. Like he is their best player, and we had no answer for him last meeting in Portland when he had thirty four and eleven on fourteen of twenty two shooting. Um, and then I, Lou Williams is a killer too. Lou William, knock on wood, sucks against Portland. Like he does? has not. There was one game last year during his All Star 
campaign. Oh, he sucked. I when remember he that. went like two for 20, just something unusual. The first game this year in Portland, he didn't do anything. The last game, he was two of 13. Portland lost that game when Nurkic went out. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have still won that game, but Nurkic plays really well against them, especially if they're going to go small and um, start get Gallo at the four and, and Gortat at the five. Um, he's also big enough to handle a Montrez Harrell. So and Bobby, and Bobby. So, hmm, I, I am going against better judgment. I think Nurk's going to be our X factor. I think the Blazers get it done. Um, what about Dame's like absolute hate for Patrick Beverly too? That could go again. That could go for us. Yeah, and you also have to worry about Avery, Avery Bradley, Bradley. Mm-hmm. who can't throw it in the ocean but plays incredible defense. So who's ever matched up against uh, the Rook uh, SGA really needs to. He's to fun, go to... though. I like. Oh, absolutely. You know who might be a good defense? It, it, let's just say Lou Williams gets on his roll. Do you think Wade Baldwin could shut him down? Or at least make his life harder? No, he's too cold. He needs to get into He needs to play some games. I, I think it's so hard just to be like, hey, go in there and play. I don't know, man, with shit, how little he plays, he might be fucking psyched to just be out there on the court and just make make Lou Williams' life hell. Because, like, when shit slows down, their offense really goes through Lou Williams. And if he gets hot, it could be a long night for us. So if there was, like, just a few minutes of just hounding defense from Will Barton might... I don't know shit, Will Barton. Uh, shit. What's his name? <laughs> Fine. But, uh... No, no, you're going to figure this one out. No, oh, shit. <sighs> shit, I said his name, like, 30 seconds ago, too. Yeah. <laughs> shit. Once I said Will Barton, my shit just... Nope. Uh, Wade Baldwin. Boom. It only took me a minute of actual thought. I remember our team. But it, it might be nice to see a little bit of white wall. When I'll, I'll keep the silence in there for you. Lose <laughs> or loss? I say we lose. Okay. Moving on to Memphis on the 19th. Portland in PDX, uh, right? dropped one by nine. And then we played them exactly a week, a week later. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies are tied with Portland 16 and 13. Uh, on the season, they are 500 away from the grindhouse, but they have lost two in a row after beating um, the Trailblazers. I really wasn't too impressed with that Memphis team, to to be quite honest. Um, they don't have a lot of weapons offensively. Mm. Yes, I know they beat us, but that doesn't really mean <laughs> doesn't a whole really lot. Much. <laughs> uh, to me, this comes down to bench play. Memphis, Memphis's bench outperformed ours they got big nights from jermichael green who shot 100 from the field he was a dog and marshawn brooks who if you all remember was the reason they beat us last year without mm-hmm. dame so i think this guy's i think this game all revolves around the bench with it being at home i really like portland's chances i think you're going to see guys like zach collins and um I do think E.T. will have a better night, and I think either one of Stauskas or Curry is going to get hot. So I like the Blazers because it's at home, because we have, I think, I think we have a better bench, um, especially when they're they're playing in the friendly confines. We've always talked about this. Role players play better when they're comfortable. They're most comfortable at home. Um, I just don't think Zach Collins is going to have another offer. He's not going to get skunked like he did on Wednesday, and – Always, always CJ. CJ loves playing the Grizzlies ever since he he came out um, in the 2015 playoffs against them. So I think the Blazers pick up a dub in this right here. So this is the worst possible matchup for, you know, the Blazers to have like a beautiful offense. So it's going to be ugly. Like, I think it all depends on the pace of play. If it's Memphis's like grit and grind style, it'll be, it'll be harder on us. So if we can like, make the pace and tempo ours, it's a better chance. I want to say Blazers win, but I I, th- I think Grizzlies got it. Memphis is trash. 
Oh. So we, think, we've been pretty trash the last few weeks, my man. Blazers by double digits. Okay. All right. Double double digits. Uh, last game of the week, the struggling Utah Jazz make their first appearance in Rip City. This will be the first of two contests over a five-day span, and Utah is sitting 13th in the West, 14 and 16 overall, uh, sub 500, 9 and 10 away from uh, Salt Lake City, and that once vaunted defense is giving up 107 points per game. Uh, the Cinderella story of Donovan Mitchell having a bit of a sophomore slump. Teams are just figuring out how mm. to play them. I don't know if it's NBA rules not letting them play as handsy as as they once liked to, but Sage, what's what is going going wrong in Utah? Did they just play above their heads last year, or did I think they the get de- comfortable? I think the defense has gotten worse, but I think we're seeing that they do, they don't have a lot of scores on the team. Who who can create their own shot other than Ingles and Donovan? They got rid of Burks. They got rid of all of these guys that can generate their own shot. So it really is dependent on Rubio setting them up. I'm hoping that this game... Alright, there, there's two things I hope. Nurk doesn't get frustrated going against uh, Rudy Gobert. He's had, There's been a few games where you think he's going to dominate and then he just gets bitchy and doesn't try hard. I remember a game against Utah last year where he just got into foul trouble on purpose, and then sat out. So if we can have a motivated Nurk and we can stay on Joe Ingles, I'm going to say Blazers win. I mean, you look at their bench, it's kind of ass. It's absolutely ass. Uh, Exum, Buck. Trast. Tabo, Cephalosha, I think he's his, his, his best days are behind him. Um, Kyle Korver, nice shooter, but if he's not shooting well, he's essentially Seth Curry. Um, <laughs> good one <laughs> Jay Crowder another player who I think might have already peaked and uh, Royce O'Neal has always been he's, he's, a, he's a just a regular guy he's yeah, a regular he's, dude yeah um, he whooped the shit out of us but when you're going against the 1% of the 1%ers he's not as good yeah just looking at this roster I'm I'm not they don't have I, scoring no and they I think they got hot last year, and they're still capable of doing that. But I think they probably bought into their press clippings a little bit during the the offseason. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen to uh, plenty of teams. I mean, it's it's happened. Um, yeah. You look at the West. It's kind of flipped up on its head this year. And will they make a run? There, there's a Maybe. chance they yeah. will. But Portland traditionally plays really well against the Jazz. Um Dame and CJ are just magicians at finishing under the rim. So Gobert is minimized a little bit. And if we can spread the floor and make them move side to side, I, you know, I really love, I love our chances, especially if we won the previous two. I think this could be a really big win for Portland as they, you know, take part in in this, this three game homestand. So I think the Blazers are going to win. My X factor again is going to be the Dame CJ backcourt. Mm. I think they are going to outperform, you know, Rubio and Mitchell or Rubio and Ingles. And uh, I think it's going to be a big, big time matchup for for Mo Harkless. Mm-hmm. If he can just stay out there on Ingles, don't let him get any looks from three. Lock him up. The more guys you can lock up, the better chance Portland has to win. Because, like you said, the resources Utah has to put the ball in the bucket, limited. They're, they're, they're limited, limited as fuck. Mm-hmm. So I got Portland going three and zero this week. Um, one and two for me. I think Joe Ingles does have a good game, though. Never said he didn't have a good game, yeah. but no, Mo, no, well, Mo should be able to play. Mo should not let him get loose from three. You know it's crazy. The Blazers are the worst defensive team at small forward and power forward. Should we be thinking Eric Favors has one of his good games, or is he just meh? And my love for him is was fickle. My love for Derek Favors is gone. He is <laughs> what he is. I think if you want... If they, if they want to run their offense around Derek Favors' post-ups, be my guest. I, I don't think Favors has a good game, but I do. I would say Ingles would, but I think the Blazers win. All right. I think that about wraps it up for us, Sage, on this rainy Sunday afternoon. Uh, do you have anything for the fans? A lot of shit is going to be happening in the next year, or, you know, 
2019, the start of 2019, there's going to be a lot of new projects coming out. So be on the lookout for that. Other than that, love you, buddy. Love you too, bud. Have a, have a Merry Christmas, and we'll be back on next week. Sage, as always, this has been a blast. Peace out. Let's get some wins. Let's get some dubskies. All right. Where you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go. Come on.